Hey there, welcome to the Jobs for Women podcast, where we empower and uplift women to succeed and thrive in their professional life whilst looking after their well-being. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the issues and challenges faced by women in the workplace with particular focus on gender equality. We believe that every woman deserves the opportunity to excel in her career regardless of her gender, and we're committed to helping women break through the barriers that hold them back. Join us every week as we hear from experts, share stories, and give advice. We've got an incredible community of women who support and encourage each other, and we're so happy that you are here. Let's break down the gender barriers and create a more equitable and inclusive workplace for all. So welcome to another episode of the Jobs for Women podcast. I'm really excited to welcome our guest, Lizzie Martin, who is head of coaching and the founder of Work Life Mother. Welcome to the podcast, Lizzie. Thank you so much for having me, Zoe. It's so it's so great to connect with you. And we have already had um, a long chat and we could have just talked for hours, couldn't we, about um, everything to do with being a mum in the workplace. Um, So it's great that you're on the podcast today to share your wisdom and insights because obviously at Jobs for Women, we are talking about everything uh, that women have going on at work, the barriers, what we're up against, gender discrimination, pay gap, you name it. So it's kind of like, I think when we're thinking about being a working mother, it's so important to have these conversations with and whatever stage, um, whoever's listening, if you're in the early stages of your career or whatever stage, it's kind of like knowledge is power, isn't it? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that I always hear people say to me is like, no one ever talks about this stuff enough. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because there isn't a manual. There is no guide, is there? No. And I think as well, it's this is where the the emphasis and the onus comes on the organizations to to have a system in place so can you i mean i've i've just dived straight in haven't i can you tell us a little bit about your so what what's your background how did you get into this what what's the story yeah absolutely absolutely and i'll give you the kind of like top line story otherwise we'll be here for <laughs> more than more than just hours days perhaps um, so as Zoe said, so I'm Lizzie Martin and I'm head of coaching and I founded Work Life Mother um, six years ago. So my first career was um, 10 years of management and leadership for John Lewis. So I spent five years with John Lewis, five years with Waitrose. And I went on my first maternity leave and it was during my maternity leave that I saw how challenging it was for new parents. And that's not just the first time they have a child, but it's the second, third, subsequent time they have a child to successfully um, navigate life as a new parent, but also continue to progress and realise career ambitions kind of in the workplace. Um, I think I probably deep down had heard, you know, the odd story from people that it's difficult to do both. But I was really brought up with the narrative that you have to choose between one or the other. Um, So what are you going to choose to do? Are you going to choose to work full time? Are you going to choose to be a mum? And there was very much this kind of either or mentality. Um, But I was already coaching at work and I was on maternity leave. And I thought, do you know what? I've got this entrepreneurial 
bug, this kind of fire in my tummy. It had been there the whole time. I remember at university, Googling buy a franchise because I really <laughs> knew I wanted to do something. I just didn't know what the, that thing was. And I just thought to myself, look, I can have so much more impact if I'm working outside of kind of the corporate space, working with these individuals, helping them to manage those competing demands of new motherhood, parenting, but also career ambition. Um, and, and to help them return back to work with energy, with focus, um, and, and not have to pick between one or the other. So I started um, coaching individuals um, and I did that for a couple of years. Um, I've got two daughters. At the time they were quite young, so I was managing the juggle myself. And then after a few years of working directly with individuals, I got more and more um, requests from the corporate space, from employers saying, do you know what, we would really like to offer this support to our employees because we want to keep hold of our talent. You know, we don't want to see these brilliant women leaving the workforce um, on their maternity leave or shortly after. So can you can you help us as well? That is so refreshing because when I think back to when I was on mat leave, there was the support was lacking, let's just say. So that's great to hear that companies are actually reaching out and recognizing um the need for it. I think that's so interesting what you just said then about the choice, because if I am truly honest, I think whether societal, what I'm, what I've been told or over the years, what I presumed I would have to choose, whatever, wherever that, those thoughts came from, I was of that understanding. Well, I can't, I, I worked in London, crazy busy job, lots of hours, and I just didn't think I could have both. So I think just going back to that, is that is that what comes up a lot? You know, when you would, I know you're doing more coaching now in the corporate world, but when you were doing the one to one coaching, was that something that came up a lot with your clients? Yeah. And, and it still comes up. It still comes up with my clients, you know, whether I'm working with them directly or whether they're, you know, the coaching's being paid for by their employer, it still comes up. So I think there's that tension between, I think it's about how, how do you allocate your time? You know, I think a lot of people struggle with that. Um, and I think the other thing is, is that if an individual does want to do both, they feel guilty for it. Like, am I greedy for wanting to do both? Um, because this narrative around you have to choose between one or the other, it almost says you can't, you know, you can't have both. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, actually, who says that? Who makes up the rules? I want to be able to have both. That in itself is a massive barrier, isn't it? Or a massive hurdle that needs to be overcome. Um, and I think, as you said earlier, because there isn't a handbook, because there is no right or wrong, mm. I think so many individuals will constantly be um, picking apart their decision making and questioning whether they're making the right choices. And that's that's really um, a really common source of a lot of that pressure, which is, am I doing the right thing? Yeah, absolutely. And and then. Because of COVID as well, I was reading a report recently about the whole flexible working thing. Because when again, when I think back to my experience of it, I remember working in an organisation, and there was um, there was an amazing, you know, employee, and and she'd come back from a second mat leave, and had asked to do the nursery pickup to leave fifteen minutes early, and I remember it was like rejected, mm. and I was like, and I know this was pretty, I know I know organisations are getting a little bit more aware of flexible working, and 
but back in the day it was kind of like you put this formal request in didn't you to have flexible work in and a lot of in this report I read that you know women didn't and men but were focusing on women today didn't want to you know put the put the request in for fear of their career trajectory or future yeah, promotions yeah. seem to be you know wanting flexible work and I remember thinking well how the hell is she going to pick a kid up <laughs> like yeah this is, let's just let's just look at this on a on a basic level if if a husband or partner or whoever can't and she's just asking for 15 minutes early and I remember at the time thinking well there's no way how I won't be able to do that then it's kind yeah. of like seeing other people's experiences do you think yeah. organizations are being more open to you know like when you're working with them is that something that you talk about do you get into that detail about flexible working yeah, I think I think what's interesting here about the organisations that I work with is that, first of all, not every single organisation is queuing up, knocking on my door saying, hey, Lizzie, we want to give more support to our women coming back from mat leave. You know, I would love that to be the reality, but it but it isn't. Um, you know, there are still quite a lot of dinosaur organisations out there who, who, who don't think that this is an area that needs attention, focus or support. So when I am working with an organisation, generally they share um, common characteristics and that is that they care about their people, um, they're progressive and forward thinking um, mm -hmm. and they want to do the right thing. So this isn't just a tick box exercise. So normally the point at which I um, start working with a, an organisation, they've already got a good solid culture in place. They're already um, really progressive in their thinking around flexible working. Um, I think that I think the barrier um, that I see a lot in organisations is where does flexible working sit? Does it sit in policy um, or does it sit with line manager discretion? And what happens quite often is organisations will say, we'll leave it to the discretion of the line manager. And then line managers are worried that if they say yes to Sally, they're going to have to say yes to every single other person on the team. Um, and they haven't been trained well to deal with things like flexible working requests. So sometimes that can be where the barrier is. It's not that the policy says no, or it might be, it might be that the policy says no, but quite often it's down to that um, that line manager conversation and whether that manager um, feels confident and supported in the organization to say, do you know what? I actually really understand what this individual is going through and this isn't gonna be forever and it is just 15 minutes. So I'm gonna say yes, and I feel quite comfortable saying yes to Sally for this situation because I know for somebody else they'll want flexible working for a different reason and it's not just you know flexible working isn't something it's just for working mums you know mm -hmm. this is for everybody to be able to have a life outside of work um so so it's, to answer your question quickly um mm -hmm. the organizations that I work with generally have quite a good working culture um, but I think that there's still so much more that can be done specifically around these flexible working conversations. Yeah. And I remember when, um, I think we talked about this when we had our chat off the pod, um, I spoke to a, a global company that had recognized the importance of looking after this demographic or this, you know, that, that stage of your life when you're returning to the workplace, often depending on what birth and experience you've gone through, you know as as sometimes a different person and they were seeing a high 
a high percentage of women dropping from full-time to part-time and then leaving entirely and we know that it you know this is costing companies loads of money mm. um so what i wanted to really delve into is which i love on on your on your website you talk about these transition stages well the three stages before you know when you're pregnant going through you know whatever you're working with and then when you're off and then coming back to work so what what advice would you give so if there's anyone listening that is that is pregnant what can they do to make that process as smooth as possible how can they like empower themselves or get the most out of when they go off to have their baby yeah absolutely do you want me to talk just about that beginning bit or just talk more broadly about all three you, you just go bro yeah whatever whatever <laughs> so i think i think i think there's a combination of things here i think there are things that you can do and it's very easy for somebody to say here's a list or here's a checklist of things that you need to be doing but i think you also need to be thinking about your your mindset and your perspective um and something that i say and and this is probably my number one piece of advice which is to really step into the driving seat of your career at this point in time so this is about being proactive this is about recognizing that challenges might exist um we know that um the system isn't currently set up for us to succeed as working mothers but it's to make sure that you don't slip into that sort of i've got a chip on my shoulder victim mindset because mm -hmm. that is going to make a massive difference to um to your experience so i always talk about you know taking responsibility at this point in time and not waiting for somebody to do it for you so it's really easy um particularly if you've had a career that has been kind of managed for you maybe you started an, org an organization maybe you were on a scheme such as a graduate scheme where there was an element of um, career management done on your behalf th this is the time to take back all of that control and say look I'm going to really proactively manage the next chapter or chapters of my career so I, I would say that's the that really is the foundation for for the transition is to make sure that you're taking ownership for that um and then there's so much that you can be doing at each of the points in time. And when we work with individuals um, that we coach through Work Life Mother, we break that down into three main pillars and it's the three C's. So we talk about career, we talk about confidence and we talk about communication. And what we mean by this is if you are going to manage these transitions well, you need to be thinking about how you are taking that ownership for your career development. Um, so making sure that you are aware of where you sit with your kind of performance reviews, making sure that you are managing development yourself, making sure you're able to articulate what your skills and your strengths are. So very much thinking about longer term career progression. Then we talk about connection. And this is probably one of my, I think this is one of the areas that gets overlooked the most particularly before somebody goes on leave which is having a plan for how you are going to stay connected with your company so how are you, how um do you want your organization to contact you whilst you're on, on leave um is that email is that whatsapp is that once a month is it nothing for the first four months so 
that sort of um that ability to be connected to your organizations but also connected to your team is so critical for your longer term development because we don't want you to slip into kind of being out of sight out of mind which can can happen you know if you're not visible because you're not physically there how how are you going to maintain those kind of relationships and that connection um and then the third thing is about confidence so one of the biggest barriers um to coming back to work after mat leave being able to thrive in in your role is that dip in confidence um so it's thinking about how can you set yourself up to feel confident to surround yourself with the right kinds of people that feed into that um and look after your well-being because that directly correlates with confidence you know when i work with people that are struggling with their confidence it's normally because they haven't eaten a proper meal for a few days um it's 4 p.m and they've only just remembered that they haven't brushed their teeth in the morning um dehydration um you know, an exercise that isn't just lifting your baby in and out of the car and the pram and, and, and cleaning the floor. So those are the three pillars that we work towards. So career, confidence and connection. And it breaks down into much more practical actions at each of the um, the points in time. But basically, if you think about those three things, then you're not going to go far wrong. That's brilliant. You know, when we're thinking about the connection piece, obviously, we're all different, aren't we? And and you know, like when you said, um, you know, it could be, what does it look like? Is it WhatsApp? Is it email? Is it once a month? Is it more that you're sort of telling people to own and set your own boundary? So it's kind of like, you're not saying, hey, you still need to be contactable if you don't want to be. It's like set, having that open dialogue with your manager, isn't it? So they know then when to contact you. It's not you saying, you need to make sure that you're being contacted or yeah, available. Absolutely yeah yeah it's it's everything from like the detail of like how do you want to share the news that your baby has arrived you know who do you want to send a picture in do you want that picture to be shared around the office do you not want that to be shared around the office you know there have been horror stories haven't there where yeah. somebody shared a whatsapp picture with their colleague and they that you know they've just given birth and they've got a baby and you can see their nipple because they're feeding their baby <laughs> and then that gets shared on a work whatsapp group <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. It's having those boundaries in place. But also, um, anybody that's going on maternity leave or parental leave also has keeping in touch days. So you'll have 10 keeping in touch days that you get paid for that you can use during the later stages of your maternity leave to keep in touch, to strengthen those communication channels, to kind of aid that phased transition back to work and they are just so underutilized um and I just really think that if you can if you can put a plan in place just a loose one just pencil some things in before you go on your maternity leave um then you're working towards something you're not going to be forgotten about or um missed out on various pieces of communication if you take that proactive approach yeah and what i'm hearing you say as well is is this is a two-way thing this is like not just relying on your line manager because often again it's like an education piece isn't it if your line manager isn't trained or hasn't managed someone that's gone off on mat leave then they might feel like they're encroaching on your personal space but if you do that work that piece yeah. of work before like you're showing willing 
and also just empowering yourself in knowing how many kit days when you can take them and and I feel like I when I think back I, I just think I was just floating along going with the flow and mm. I think the organization that I worked for maybe didn't have the knowledge either I mean my yeah. line manager was great when I went off but when I think now I, I think the process would have been a lot more smoother and I'd have probably feel felt a bit more supported and happier if I'd have taken a bit of ownership so that makes mm -hmm. absolute sense and you don't always think about it like that do you I also I also think um that even if you have got a line manager who maybe has gone through it themselves is just to make sure that you don't assume they know what they're doing either because they might have thought actually I don't really want to use my keeping in touch days so I think a common assumption that is made quite often, very often, is that because someone else has also been through what we're going through, they're going to completely understand what we need and therefore they're going to give us what we need. Um, so I think it's very much about knowing what you need and going and asking for it but it's about organizations making it safe for you to ask for it so when we talk about the confidence pillar in the context of organizations i train managers on this concept of psychological safety which links back to what you were saying about flexible working can your returners confidently ask for what they need without worrying that there's going to be a negative repercussion so can they ask for their keeping in touch days do they know how to ask for keeping in touch days um do they feel safe enough to say that they're leaving at four or they want to leave at four to pick up their child from nursery or are they putting a calendar event in saying client meeting you know and concealing what they're actually doing because they don't feel as though they can be authentically themselves at work um, so I, I I do think it's about being proactive and asking what, for what you need, but I don't think it needs to solely sit on the shoulders of the individual. I think this is absolutely something that needs to be shared, um, shared ownership by the organisation as well. It's kind of a no-brainer, you know, when you think about how much it costs to recruit a member of staff and when you've got, we've got the gender pay gap staring us in the face, amazing talent that are leaving uh, that yeah. all, all of that experience that they've got, it's kind of like a no-brainer to me for an organisation to really focus on this as a as a priority and not just like a nice added extra, you know, because 51% of the population, you know, if we choose to have kids, that's a lot of people going on mat leave and having babies. So it's I, I'm glad that you're working with organisations, but to go back to your point earlier, that they're not beating the door down. We need to mm. kind of get that message out, don't we? Yeah. A little bit more. Um, and what, it, when, so a woman has hopefully worked with their employer pre and then they're on mat leave, maybe doing um, keeping in touch days. What about the return? Because for me, my experience, I, I, I quit. I left London. Um, I was ill. I had postnatal depression. Um, but I literally couldn't couldn't and I still can't when I think back I can see why I, I couldn't envisage myself doing that job especially seeing that rejects that flexible working to yeah. pick up a child 15 minutes early I, I couldn't do it so yeah there were other reasons why I left but in essence I I quit so how can women feel empowered how can what do you do with women to make that return as seamless 
as possible so that they can thrive and they can, you know, go off and have the career that they so desire. Yeah. So the the first the first thing that I always do with everybody that I work with is get really clear on like what does good look like? So what does going back to work and thriving, what does that actually mean? Because when we when we use certain words like going back to work and feeling confident or going back to work and thriving we all have a different mental image of what that looks like so for me the most important thing is to get clear on what that is but also to make sure that every individual is true to that image and it's not something that they've been told they should be doing so we can be influenced quite heavily by a sister or a mother or a boss or a husband that might be saying like this is what you should be doing so the most important thing for me is to get to get crystal clear on that to start with because anybody who's forcing it and is going back to go and do something that really isn't shaped around what they want their future to look like it's really just going to delay the inevitable which is you know burnout or a complete car crash when it comes to career fulfillment um so that often means that we get the microscope out and we have a look at priorities we have a look at values we we get really clear on okay what what's motivating you what's important to you and then that really sets the foundation for building everything on top of that and the pretty much universal theme that comes up with individuals going back to work at this point in time is around having a look at the amount of workload mental workload cognitive labor that the individual is um that's got on their to-do list that's currently taking on so there's always a really big um conversation around what do you now need to stop doing so that you can effectively go back to work so on maternity leave women often become the expert at caring for their little one they often also become the expert at all of the household chores and labor and this is really a transition that requires putting down some of those activities delegating them out to other people which can be incredibly challenging and um, because letting go of control and allowing other people to do things as well as we can do is really really challenging but if um if that doesn't take place then what happens is women will go back to work they'll be carrying that full-time job of looking after the little one thinking about everything to do with caring for their baby as well as now trying to fit in the energy and the time to do their job so any transition requires that combination of looking forwards but also setting down things that might have been done in the past and this is where it's so critical that if you do have a partner, you, you think about working as a team and what does this mean for them? So if you're going back to work, what does this now mean for your partner? How is their daily routine going to change? What are they going to be picking up in order for you to be able to go back to work and thrive? That just, I've just had one of those light bulb moments. Like that makes absolute sense, doesn't it? And sometimes, you don't even know you're doing all of these tasks. So to actually pause and, and be like, okay, what do I need to drop or pass over in order to go back to work? Because we cannot do it all, can we? And yeah. I never ever did that when I went back to work, it was just kind of keep going. And we do take on, you know, it's it's interesting. 
then you know you're on technically off work but you are raising a human you might have other yeah. children as well and then take on more of the household duties and let's not lie the admin i was chatting to someone the other day about the admin of life running a household is like a full-time job just with the admin of where people need to be but that mm. that that piece in itself is has been a bit of a light bulb for me because yeah to return to work and to be happy and to thrive whatever thrive is for you is is so important to actually reflect on on what you what you've got going on currently and yeah having that open dialogue with your partner and do you find i mean you, you might not you might not know off the top of your head but you know like is is it common for women that were full-time to go back full-time and then drop their hours because maybe they're not doing that work that we've just talked about looking at their the load that they have on and then get back to work and think I can't do this how yeah. how, how am I going to do that is that common have you found that yeah I see that I see that that's quite common um I also see a lot of women going back to work and they have negotiated some flexible working so maybe they've negotiated um working 20% less hours so they might be saying oh, I'm going back to work and I'm so lucky I'm going to be working four days a week Right. So there's this like real gratitude that they're able to work four days a week um, and they're taking a 20 percent pay cut. And the thing that I see happening and I, I don't mean to smile and laugh, but I suppose it's the fact that this still exists that frustrates me is that those women are grateful that they've been allowed to get paid 20 percent less and theoretically work one day less. But they don't because there isn't a change in their job scope. So actually what they end up doing is squeezing 100% of their um, work deliverables into, they don't squeeze it into 80% of time. They still deliver probably 100% of the time, but now they're just being paid 20% less. And that is then driving that gender pay gap even further. So if women are coming back to work on less than full-time hours, it's so critical that the job scope is also rescoped to make sure that the outputs have been um recalibrated so women aren't doing the same amount of work and being pay paid less and let's face it. it most of the time the job specs are not being redone are they i had a friend in london that did exactly what you said she dropped to four days she was working for a big film company and then i saw her a few months later and she was like zoe i've gone back to full time because i was getting paid and exactly just exactly what you said and it's frustrating yeah. that you know and then we try to do, when you look at it it's like why are we dropping this day to spend time and look after and raise our child and yeah. and it's like that like this constant balance um i mean we could talk about this all day i know we've got a wrap up soon do you feel like women have a pressure because i've talked to my friends about this before the pressure we're sort of seen to be judged whether we decide to be a stay-at-home mum whether we go back part-time if we're full-time it's like oh they're not at the school gates picking the kid up do you feel like there's this pressure and is it ever going to go away on women working women or choosing to not work mm, it's that i wish i had a crystal ball and i could see into <laughs> the future i wish I, I hope it goes away i think uh, for me i think um the pressure exists right and and we get to choose how we want to respond to that and within the coaching world we'll always talk about you can react or you can respond right and and responding to something is a much more powerful uh place to be so this is about 
acknowledging that pressures exist and we feel guilty, right? And we talk about mum guilt. I wish we spoke about dad guilt or parental no. guilt. Let's not label it purely as a mum thing. But if you can get to really know what's important to you and you can trust your decisions, and this is the key, if you can trust your decisions, then you can minimise that guilt and you can minimise that pressure. Now, I don't think it's necessarily going to completely go away, but this is about making sure that it doesn't then control your life. So it's about managing it. Mm. So every now and again, the pressure and the guilt is really helpful because it's telling us something it's you know it's a red flag isn't it it's a red flag saying hang on a second maybe it's time to put your phone down and be present whilst you're bathing your children because actually you didn't hear what they just said and it's mm -hmm. really important that you're a present parent um so sometimes it needs to be listened to and you might need to take action as a result of that pressure and that guilt that you're feeling but really you know i would love to see women get into a place where they've got that that trust in their decision making and they know that what they're doing is the right thing for them, the right thing for them as a family unit and therefore the right thing for their children because they've done that work and they've really established those priorities. Yeah, I love that. It's like a it's like a separate piece of well, inner work, we all need to do it and with all the facets in life, don't you think? Oh, um, I've got an expert that we're recording on on confidence and you know, like the inner dialogue and I, I love that. I love your answer about being okay with your decision and kind of owning it. And, you know, as, and, and, and every family is different. Everyone has different circumstances and, and needs. Um, so in I, I know I keep saying we need to wrap up. We do need to wrap up. Workplaces. So to finish, if there's a woman listening that is sort of either thinking about having kids or she's already on mat leave or going back are there any tips if they're if they're working for an organization that doesn't isn't open about this kind of stuff isn't really having these conversations about kit days or is there anything any top advice any top tips that they could do now just to put yeah. you on the spot just as just as go, we <laughs> just go and just go and strengthen your network so go and have a conversation with somebody that you see as a bit of a role model maybe somebody who's three or four years ahead of where you are currently and go and start building those relationships because that is going to be so valuable so having those connections having those role models but also having that kind of that ally and that mentor in your back pocket is going to set you up for so much success further in the future so i would say invest in the relationships um that's something that you can control so you might be frustrated that your policy isn't great you might be able to influence that but what you can really control are those relationships and those conversations that you're having so i would say it's never too early to be developing those um those connections and that is that connections within the organization where they're working yeah or within the industry mm, great advice yeah this is what th this is when we launch our membership at jobs for women i want this mentorship and this connection networking to be such a huge a huge part of it because it is so powerful like you say that's really good advice um so that will bring that brings us to the end i feel like we've literally been recording five minutes thank you for joining us you are coming back aren't you to record a masterclass for the jobs for women membership platform and i'm so excited um for that and thank you for coming on to share 
your wisdom and expertise. If people want to reach out to you, connect with you, do coaching with you, what's the best way for them to connect? So you can find me on all the kind of obvious social media platforms. That sounds a bit cheesy, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> you can't actually find me on all of them. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Lizzie Martin PCC on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Instagram. So I'm at work life mother. Um, or you can head over to my website, which is worklifemother.com. And I'll put all the details in the show notes. And Lizzie will be back, like I say, with a masterclass. We're going to have um, loads going on um, for that. So make sure that you are on the list to join when we launch. Thank you so much, Lizzie. Always a pleasure. And we will see you very soon. Thanks so much. Great interview with Lizzie this week. I really hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you got some really good tips. So whether you're either... Maybe you've already had kids, maybe you're thinking of having kids, maybe you're just not sure. I think power and knowledge, not power, just knowledge is so important in these situations, especially in a work environment, knowing what is legally acceptable, knowing what you're legally entitled to and having those honest conversations with your line manager. Yes, it can be hard, especially, I mean, depending on who your line manager is, depending on whether they're quite open um, or maybe they're quite closed off. Maybe they don't want to talk about, you know, anything other than work. Um, just be aware of what is legally expected of your organization if you're thinking of going off to have children like Lizzie said you know keeping in touch days knowing what how many you can do if you have to do them what you're obliged to do not obliged to do there is so much in this podcast um, that I'm hoping will help and resonate with people out there so if you want to get in touch with Lizzie please do so head to the show notes don't forget to leave a review don't forget to follow the podcast and send it to someone you think might benefit if you've not joined already don't forget we've got our free jobs for women membership head over to community jobsforwomen.co.uk forward slash join. I nearly forgot the link then. Did you notice the hesitation in my voice? Oh, well, it's all good. And you know what? I'm just going to not edit it out because that is me. Juggle, the juggle is real at the moment. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, any questions, reach out. If there's anything that you want us to cover on the podcast, we are all ears. We are here to support you in this work-life balance struggle. I'm going to leave you with that. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for being part of this journey and I'll see you soon.